Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you're there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. stand to your feet. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark. We are still in the series of expecting more. Somebody shout out, I'm expecting more. The reason God told us to expect more because there is more to be given. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think, but it's according to the power that works in you. Just touch somebody on the shoulder and just push them a little bit. It's according to the power that works in you. Which simply means this, people of God, that the degree to which you want God to move is directly correlated to your expectation and the power that works in you. So consequently, the more we expect, the more he exceeds. I'm going to say that again. The more you expect, the more he exceeds. I'm reminded when my, ch- when, when my wife had children and she nursed all three of our babies. And I was wondering, right, even when she wasn't nursing them, she was pumping. I said, well, baby, why are you doing all that? She said, because the more I keep pulling from the supply, the more milk I'll continue to make. Somebody say supply and demand. I believe that God will not create a supply unless there was a corresponding demand for his movement. So God is he's saying, yes, this year I want to blow your minds. I want to do, this is a year of fulfillment. This is a year of culmination. This is a year of manifestation. It is all those things, but it's, it's, it's predicated on us expecting more. Tell somebody, you must expect more. Just like when, and we ain't having no more babies, but I'm just giving it as a reference. When my wife was pregnant, we were, we were prepping the baby's room for no other reason than we were expecting. Every now and then, when I get paid every week, I go, I go buy some pampers just to stock up. Why? Because I was expecting. I was getting formula and I was getting all those things and we were painting rooms and we were doing all those things. That would be crazy. Why would you be preparing for a baby's room if you were not expecting one? We were preparing for something that we could not see. God. 
Are you preparing for something that you don't see yet? Is your eating? See, my wife, she could only eat certain things. Certain things would give her heartburn. Certain things she couldn't. Certain, when she got a cold one time, the only thing she could take was Tylenol because that was the only thing that's proven not to have any effect on the baby. What are you consuming? Are you, are you consuming the things that are conducive for the thing that you're carrying to grow to its fullness? Tell somebody, I'm expecting more. And when I'm expecting more, my life and my habits have to line up with the level of what I'm expecting. Because I'm carrying this, I can't talk like that. Because I'm carrying this thing that I'm expecting is going to be a blessing to my life that I've been waiting on for decades. I can no longer watch those things. I can't let those things get in my ear, get in my eye, I can't let those things get into my spirit because it may affect what I'm carrying. Because I'm expecting. When my wife got good and pregnant, she was walking like this. She, got, she had to get up. I had to help her up because the weight of what she was carrying was changing literally how she walked. Oh, my God. I remember she was up here singing it sometimes. She couldn't hear the, she couldn't hear all the high notes she used to hit because it literally changed how she talked. It changed how the words came out of her mouth. Is your ex expectation in your life changing your language? The way you talk, the way you think, the way you perceive, the way that you view things. I don't want to belabor the point and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but God says, I need you in this sensitive time and season to make sure you are acting and you are being habitual in the ways that it looks like what you're expecting. I've seen mothers do it. Know they're carrying a baby and still smoking. Still drinking. Eating Burger King every day. And well, you know what? It passes those things directly to the baby. And the baby, through no fault of their own, is born with things because of what mama did. Wow. Do you want the fullest, healthiest manifestation or do you want something that is already born fighting for its life? Oh, God. So today, God wants us through this scripture today, and it's in Mark, the eighth chapter, the 22nd verse. This is the New Living Translation. And it says this, When they arrived at Bethsaida, some of them brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus, look at, look at this, y'all. He took the blind man, then spit on the man's eyes, and laid his hands on the man's eyes and asked him, Can you see anything now? And then the man looked at him. He said, yes, he said. I see people, but I cannot see them clearly. They look like trees walking around. Jesus said nothing else, but then he, he placed his hands on the man's eyes. And again, his eyes, again, and his eyes were open. His sight, somebody say, was completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, do not go back into the village on your way home. I want to speak quickly over the next couple of minutes from a topic of double vision. Somebody say double vision. 
Yes. Somebody say double vision. You may be seated. I'm, I'm so fascinated with, with Jesus, Jesus' ministry. Because out of all the miracles that he did, the ones that were noted, and the Bible says his, his miracles were so plenty, the Bible could not contain it. But it's, it's amazing to me what made its way into the Bible. And out of all the miracles that Jesus performed, the miracle that he performed the most was the restoration of sight. Anybody ever thought about that? He raised dead. He cast demons out. He healed all kinds of other diseases. But the thing that he did the most, that he restored sight to people who were blind. And so God gave me this concept last week. And I said, God, I, I, need, I, I need you to make this live for me. And he took me directly to that scripture. And it's about a man who was blind like other people. But people brought, but people brought the man to Jesus. And the first thing Jesus did was he led him out of the city. <laughs> Tell somebody he led him out of the city. And the first thing I want to point out to you. That we all have plans, we all have visions for our lives, and we should have a vision because the word of God said without a vision of people perish and, and all those things. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible living without a vision in your life. And this man did not have physical vision. And as a result of him not having physical vision, he was not able to fulfill even the emotional vision for his own life. They brought him to Jesus, and Jesus didn't do like the other man where he spit on the ground, or he just commanded his blindness to be gone, or he met the two other blind men. He said, do you believe I can do this? He said, yes, we believe, and then they were restored immediately. The first thing he did, he led the man out of town. Those of us that seem to be without vision, I'm going to speak to you first. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm saved, I'm seeking after you, I'm doing all those things, but I, I, I don't seem to have any direction. I don't have any vision. I wake up and I don't have any purpose. And so I'm, 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 I'm blown by every wind and I'm not anchored anywhere. And every, every little thing that comes against me is, is, is like it's, 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 it's turning my world into a, 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 a tailspin. And, 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 and the word of God says pretty much that you, 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 you're a blind man without vision. The first thing Jesus did, y'all, he led him out of the familiar. Could it be possible, people of God, that you've been trying to get a path in your life by looking at the surroundings that have brought you to the place where you are? Jesus had to lead him, even though the people were nice enough, he didn't, he didn't, the word didn't say that he knew about Jesus in advance coming. He said the people led him to Jesus. It could be people with your own best interests that are still the people that are the, that are the incubators for your disability. Whoa. I don't want you to be looking side out at nobody, but people with the best of intentions can be crippling you. I've seen children that mom and daddies love them. They love them. They do everything. They feed them. 
they, 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 wipe, they, they wipe their face. Every time they fall, they chase into them. But as a result, the t- when a child gets in school and has to fend for themselves, they don't know how to do the most basic things all, be- all because the people who gave birth and loved them too much crippled them. Worth the trip. Just because it's familiar to you does not mean it's good for you. Some of us have resigned to the fact, well, it's, 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 it's better to deal with the devil I do know than the one that I don't know. But Jesus let him out of the city, and then he spit on the man's eyes. He didn't spit. See, one man, Jesus spit on the ground and then made, some mud, made a mud cake and put it on his eye. I kind of probably would have preferred that if it was just me. But Jesus spit in the man's eyes. Hey, dude, what's going on? Why you spit in my eye? You know what that means? Are you willing to take something in less than ideal circumstances to get what you need? Think about it. If somebody spit in your face, it is an insult. That's like, take the Vaseline out, put it on my face, we get rid of roll. Hand somebody my wig, we about to fight. You spit in my eye? Am I telling the truth? I know it ain't just me. Y'all laugh because it's the truth. But Jesus, can you take something harsh? Something is against the norm to get what you've been asking for from God. See, in our mind, we, we, we send things through our mind like it's a, like it's a motion picture film and, 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 and we're doing all these things and oh God, it's going to come like this and it's going to look like this and it's going to come, it's going to come riding on a chariot and my husband's going to come like a prince's shining armor and it's going to come be dropped off with UPS with a nice big bow on it. But God said, what you are asking for me, it may come in the dirt, it may come in the muck, it may come in the mire, it may come through an enemy that you can't stand. But God said, are you willing? to do what it takes? Are you willing to stand firm and take what it takes to get what you need? Tell somebody, I want vision. Then he laid his hands on the man's, he spit on him. Can you see yet? He said, yeah, I can see, but it ain't, it's not quite clear. I see men walking like trees. Then Jesus laid his hand on him and then it was restored. Now, does that mean that Jesus didn't have power and he had to muster up enough Holy Ghost to do it again? No. I believe that Jesus let that happen to show us the principle that we can be seen but not seeing clearly. Somebody say double vision. Double vision. The medical term is Diplopia, or diplopia, diplopia, whichever one you want to do it. But it is, it is a condition. It can be brought on by several things, but the basics of it is, is that we both have two eyes, and the, and the brain in its magnificence and how God created it balances it out based on what it needs at the time to create a picture so that it looks like one vision. But whether it's a possible, whether, whether if you've had an aneurysm or you've had a stroke or, or, your, or your blood pressure is high or you have problems with your cornea or whatever, 
lead eye. And so therefore, you have double vision. And when you have double vision, it seems like the room is moving around. You can't drive right. When you're reaching for something, you don't know which one you're reaching for. Somebody say double vision. And that's what this man was experiencing. Jesus had healed him to an extent, but I don't know whether it was through his faith or whether Jesus wanted to teach a principle. He said he had a distorted image of the world because he had some vision but not complete vision. Somebody say double vision. And God wanted me to hold the next few minutes with you to let you know that God, many of us, how many of you know uh, at least a, a partially what the vision is for your life, what your calling is and what you're supposed to be doing? Let me see by the second sit fine of raising your hands. Well, if you know, then the next step is for the, that the devil is trying to do, he's trying to cloud your vision up. Because he knows when, he, when I can cloud your vision, when I can obscure it, when I can make you see double, you don't know which one is the real one. When, when an opportunity comes, you don't know which door is the real door. When a devil comes, you don't have the right perspective that this has come to buffet my body so I can withstand the ultimate wiles of the devil. Or you, you might see a thing that the sickness that come to you, you might say, oh, Lord, this is to my death. When it's not really to your death, it's so that God can be glorified and so that you can be edified. Somebody say double vision. God comes to eliminate the double vision. For how could two walk together unless they agree? And if there is one, if there is more than one vision, they call that division. And a house divided against itself cannot stand. Somebody say double vision. So, I, so, so my purpose today is to convince you through the word of God that God's vision is better than your vision. His way is higher than our way. His thoughts is higher than our thoughts. So it will behoove us, Lord God says, to acknowledge him in all our ways. And then he will direct our path. Amen? I mean, somebody say uh, double vision. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans are vision. Vision, plans, they're synonymous with each other. Somebody say plans is vision. I know the plans of vision that I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Another translation says this, to give you an expected end. Somebody say expected end. I believe that from the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb, God had an expected end for you. Just like the movie, just like the, just like the movie in the, in the motion picture film, the, the, the director and the writer of the script, they know the full vision of what they want to create at the end. They know that when, when a person is sitting in the theater and those credits are rolling, they know the feeling that they want people to leave with. Somebody say a vision. God knows the plans or the vision that he has for you. He has plans that are good to prosper you. They are not for evil, but they are, they are for good. God has an expected end for you. And so if God is the director of our story, it would behoove us to get with the person who is the creator, the originator, the one who wrote the manual on our lives so that we can walk out the script that he has for us. 
If there's any actor that shows up on the set and says, no, I don't want to do those lines. I think I need to stand here instead of here. Well, the director knows that if you stand right here, this camera's going to catch you right here because I want to, and this camera's going to catch you right here because when you say this particular word, it's gonna, I want to capture this emotion because I want the, I, it, it, it plays out more to the expected end that I have in mind. God has an expected end in mind for you, so we have to get our vision in alignment with his vision. The word of God says that there is a man that seemeth right to a man. But in that, but that way that he expects it seems right, it ends in destruction. So I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been sanctified and Holy Ghost filled. You are at a level. If you are alive right now, how many of you are alive? Wave your hand if you're alive and you're happy. Tell somebody, I'm alive. Therefore, the fact that you're still alive, it means that there is still more vision for you to fulfill. You can write this down. If you were finished, you'd be dead. That was worth the trip too. If you were finished, you'd already be dead. Your course would have been completed. And he said, come on. From labor to reward. Tell somebody the fact that I'm still here means there's more. So I don't care what stage. See, when people talk about vision in our lives, people always want to think about somebody young and somebody with all this vitality and all their hair and all these things. And, you know, and, 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 and they got all this energy to do all those things. But at every level of your life, you need to be doing a recalibration on your life. Say, God, at this stage, at this age, what is the vision for my life, God? What do you want me to do with the rest of the time you gave me? Oh, God. Vision is not for a young man. Look, the, the young man shall have visions, and the old man shall dream, dream. But tell somebody, you still need to have a vision for where you are. God said, I know the plans I have for you. Should write this down? You don't need a new vision. See, some of us have the spiritual ADHD. We always want something new. I want something new. You don't need a new vision. You need God's vision. You don't need nothing new. First of all, ain't nothing new under the sun. That's how we set ourselves up to be manipulated because we out there reaching for something new and we get something weird and we get some, we get some sly joker that gonna come and pull us out and manipulate our mind. That's you know we running naked through the wheat field somewhere. Tell somebody you don't need nothing new. <laughs> all you need is God's vision. I look at it like this, y'all. And look. It is prudent for us to have plans. It is prudent to say, by this age, I want to have this. By this age, I want to have this. By the time I retire, I want to do this. I want to do this with my life. I want to do this with my ministry. But God is like the planning board. How many of you are familiar with the planning board downtown at City Hall? Nothing can be legally built in this city without first taking it by the planning board. How do I know it? We just went through some construction this year. We had plans. We were ready to go. Uh, we were ready to do all those things. And there were some things we could do, but the things that, that, that were structurally big changes, even though we, we had the money in place, they had the material in place, we did not have the certification from the planning board that says, yes, we approve these plans because they're going to be safe, they meet all codes, and it's not going to be a detriment to people who inhabit the building. 
What am I, why am I saying that? So many times we have plans and we go running without taking it by our Father. And all it takes is, God, these are the plans I have for my life. These are the situations that you already know about. This is what I'm planning. Does this meet, does this meet the stencil and the plan that you have for my life? And you know when, when, when people, people, people draw schematics of this wall is going to be this long and the blueprints, you know what they also call them? They call them plans. They call them plans. Well, he told Jeremiah, I know the plans. I know the, blue, I know the blueprint that I have for you. And the expected end is going to be good. Tell somebody, God knows the blueprint for your life. And so... No matter what stage we're in, run your plans by God and wait for an answer. Tell somebody, wait. Wait for an answer. I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings, the sixth chapter. I'm telling you, first and second Kings have been blessing my socks off lately. Just been blessing me. 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, the 11th verse says this. The king of Aram became very upset over this. This is what he was upset over. That Elisha, every time they would make plans to fall the kingdom of Israel, Elisha, God would tell Elisha what they were about to do. Look, and it would fall their plans every time. So much that the king of Abraham said, look, somebody in this camp is snitching. Somebody is a double agent. They, go, they said, no king, nobody, no, nobody's telling him. It's, it's their God, the God of Israel is giving him. They, they even say the scripture above that they even know what you're saying in your secret chamber. Can I parenthetically insert this? That, that I don't care what your enemies are plotting against you, people of God. God hears them in the back room with the cigar smoke and no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Let them plot against you. Let them dig a ditch for you. God said, I see it. I heard it, and I'm going to foil his plan. And all things are going to work together for the good of them. And love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. I got to keep on preaching, but I just had to insert that. But the king of Aaron became very upset over the fact that his plans were getting foiled. And he called the officers together and said, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? They said, it's not us, O Lord. O Lord, the king, one of the officers, Elijah, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. He said, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops and seize him. You're talking about Elijah. And the report came back to Elijah and at, at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army of many chariots and many horses to surround the city. And when the servant of, of, the, of, of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Tell, tell somebody everywhere. He said, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. 
Now, this is the reply you got to have when you know that God is on your side. Elijah said, he said, don't be afraid, Elijah told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. God, I thank you. Can I tell you something, people of God? There are more on your side than it is on the enemy's side. There are more in your cubicle than it is those demons that are in the office. If God be for you, who can be against you? Tell somebody, there are more for you than there are against you. Settle yourself. We got to walk by faith and we can't walk by sight. Settle yourself. Tell somebody, tell them, settle yourself. There are more for you than there are against you. The devil is outnumbered. Just because he's the loudest doesn't mean he's about to win. <laughs> 17 says, then Elijah prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes. And when he looked, he saw that the, hill, that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Can I minister to you just a second? What you're going through is really not unto death. What you're faced with, people of God, it only, it only you looking at it with your natural eye. But my prayer today is that God reveals to you the chariots of fire, the angels with the swords that are standing at the gate, that are protecting God and angels that surround you. Come on, somebody say, God reveal unto me. Because there are more for you than there are against you. We are so enamored. We are so prisoner to what we see, to what we feel. See, we can't walk by faith. We can't walk faith. We, we can't walk by, by our sight. The sight represents all the other senses. We can't go by. We can't live. We can, God gave us our senses as the salt and pepper of life. That we can feel the coolness of the, the, coolness of the breeze. And we can taste something. And, 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 and it gives us joy to taste something. But God said you can't walk by what you feel, what you taste, what you see, what you hear. You got to walk by faith. The next thing I want you to walk down, write down and say this, faith has eyes. So trust what you see. Faith has eyes, people of God. Faith doesn't look, faith acknowledges, yeah, this is it, but this is not what is going to be in the end. Tell somebody, faith has eyes. So trust what you see. Trust what you see through the eyes of faith. Trust faith's eyes instead of your eyes. Put all your bills on the table. Line them up. Don't be in denial. Don't deny the cause. Don't, don't, don't put the bills in chapter 13 in, in, in the file drawer. Don't put it in the junk drawer in the kitchen. Put them all out. Say, look, I see you. I acknowledge you. But faith says that you are about to change. Faith says I'm the lender and I'm not the borrower. Put 
put the x-rays, put what the doctor said, put the MRI on the table and say, I acknowledge that this is what the doctor says I have. But faith says, my eyes say, God, I thank you. My eyes of faith says that you are about to change. And so I shift my vision to what my faith sees. And when you when, and then it's time to start declaring what faith sees. Don't be a denial. Yes, it's real. Yes, the pain is real. Yes, the diagnosis is real. Yes, the debt is real. But my God shall supply all my needs. And if you need a healing woman of God, that's a need. God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And let me tell you something. This world may be in deficit, but heaven is never in a recession. Heaven is never. Tell somebody, get rid of the double vision. Yeah, I believe God, but I believe God, but God gave me common sense. You better shut your mouth. What does faith say? God, I thank you. Everybody standing. God wants to eliminate the double vision in your life. God wants to look, you can't walk right. You can't go out and obtain what he called you to do because you have double vision. Somebody say double vision. But today God wants to eliminate the double vision so that you walk in one step. When you, when you walk in solidarity with his plans and his word for your life. Come on, somebody lift your hands. Lord, we thank you right now for the people of God. We thank you right now, Lord, that your word has found us today. It was a quick word, Lord, but it was pointing and it was to the point that you desire. You want us to be healed more than we want to be healed. You want us to prosper more than we want to be prospered. But God, we got to align up with your vision for our lives. So today, Lord, we declare in this atmosphere that we will not look at life circumstances. We will not look at the doctor's report. We will not look at it and we will think, Lord, because you are the final authority. Your word is the final authority over our lives. So today, God, we embrace your vision. We embrace what your word says. We embrace that we are the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. And anything that is contrary, anything that is contrary, anything that is contrary to your vision and your plan, God, we're going to cast it down. We're going to rebuke everything that is contrary to what your word says. Because let God be the truth. And let every man and every man's report and every man's dilemma and every court case be a lie. Lord, we thank you. It may be for people of God, but listen to the word of the Lord. It will not prosper. Yes, I see it, Lord. Some of your hearts have been, some of your hearts have been getting unsteady because of what has formed. <laughs> Do you hear me? 
enemies who have formed, the coalition that has, that has formed, the disease that has pocketed and formed in that organ. But God said it may have formed, but it will no longer prosper if you say so. If you declare, see, the word after this, said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rise up against you, the word said, thou shalt condemn. God didn't say, I will condemn it. He said, you have the power to condemn anything that comes against the will of God. Yes. Right now, I want to just spend the next one minute condemning those things that, have, that are against God's will. Right now, come on, start speaking it. Start speaking it right now. Move your mouth and condemn it. Condemn the sickness in your body. Come on, condemn it. Condemn it. Condemn the frustration. Come on, come on, condemn. Come on, con come on, condemn the waywardness in your family, the division in your household. Condemn it. In your marriage, condemn it. Condemn it. It's against God's plan for your life. Condemn it. Condemn it. It's trespassing. It's illegal. Does not have the right to be there. Pull it down. Come on, pull it down. Pull it down, God's people. Pull it down. 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 Come on, it is trespassing in your life. You've accepted it, and it has become part of your vision that I just got to live like this. This is just my thorn in my flesh. This is just what I know. God said, condemn it. Get it out. Whenever the city condemns a place, it says it is no longer inhabitable. You cannot live there. Condemn that thing that has come against the will of God for your life. Come on, come on, come on. Just because it's formed does not mean it's going to prosper. But the success of the thing formed is predicated on whether you condemn it or not. God, we thank you. Come on, keep speaking. Come on, come on. This is what the space is for, people of God. Exercise what you just learned. And God, I will no longer walk in double vision. I will walk in solidarity and unity with what your plan is for my life. You know the way that I take. Lord, let us walk the path, God. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We cast down every stronghold. Every stronghold. Thank you for tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message. And we would like to connect with you through our website, fellowshipws.org or facebook.com slash at the fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.